You are listening to Perplexity. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Perplexity, a mystery podcast. I am your host, Kadra, and I'm super excited to be bringing you guys this terrifying story today. We are going to be talking about one of my biggest fears, being buried alive. We are also going to be getting into the history of coffins, specifically safety coffins. This is a topic I've been wanting to cover for a long time, and when I learned about safety coffins a few years ago, I was very fascinated by them, so I think you guys will really enjoy it. And if you guys have been enjoying the podcast so far, please keep telling your family and friends about it. I so appreciate it. Uh, Word of mouth goes a really long way for small, independent podcasters like myself. So thank you in advance for that. I also just wanted to say hello very quickly to Australia because I have some new listeners there on the podcast and that makes 30 different countries that are listening to Perplexity now on podcast platforms. So that is really cool. Hello to Australia and thank you so much for listening. Trigger warning for today's episode. We are going to be talking about being buried alive. So we will be talking about some, you know, disturbing, terrifying things and death. Listener discretion is advised, especially for listeners below the age of 13. And all of the sources that I used for the research in today's episode is available in the show notes. From the time that I was 12 years old, I have been fascinated and terrified by being buried alive. And this is because of CSI Las Vegas. And I have my parents to thank for this. And they listen to this podcast. So hello, mom and dad. And uh, thank you so much for traumatizing me. Um, so growing up, I was a big true crime girly. We were a true crime house. We loved watching CSI Las Vegas. We watched a lot of investigation discovery, especially my mom. And season five, episode 24 of CSI Las Vegas, there is a two part, um, like two episodes where the character Nick gets kidnapped and buried alive. And he's like this big macho guy and his team rescues him, spoiler alert, It's been out for a really long time now. It aired in 2005, so don't come for me. But they rescue him, and he is whimpering, blubbering like a baby. He cannot speak. He's absolutely terrified, which, same. I mean, who among us? And to top it all off, when they finally go to rescue him, they discover they can't lift him right away because there is a bomb strapped underneath his coffin. So flashback to 12-year-old Kadra watching this. Hands over eyes, but looking, you know, absolutely terrified. And ever since then, being buried alive is one of my biggest fears. Whether it be rational or not, right? But then I started researching and, uh, Turns out it's kind of a rational fear. We'll get there. All of this to say, the idea of being trapped underground in a small, confined space, slowly dying by losing oxygen, is terrifying. For people who have claustrophobia, this is probably one of the worst ways you could die. And yet, people have been doing this recently, 
for thrills, shits and giggles, entertainment. There are several big YouTubers who have spent several days, even up to 10 days, being buried alive. And they get millions of views on YouTube. Mr. Beast, one of the biggest YouTubers, he has 177 million subscribers. He was buried alive for, I think it was like 50 hours. Yes, 50 hours. And Phidias, another big YouTuber with 2 million subscribers, spent 10 days underground. It's pretty crazy. Now, keep in mind, they are being constantly monitored and they do have supplies such as food, water, and uh, bottles to pee in. But uh, that's still very insane. And I don't know how people can subject themselves to this voluntarily. But all of this to say, these people did do this on their own volition. They were being constantly monitored and they were fine. So what about those people who were presumed dead, buried, then woke up in a coffin, trapped and alone, only to be slowly suffocating to death, and then dragged into the afterlife? What about those poor people? So the first case of someone being buried alive, allegedly, because there are some myths around this, can be traced back all the way to the 14th century. And who's to say it didn't happen before then? I mean, we didn't document a lot of things for a really long time, you know? This poor man was a scholastic philosopher named John Duns Scotus, and he died in 1308. Or at least they thought he died. Whoops. He was buried, but later there were doubts about him being truly dead. So his body was exhumed, and it's said when they exhumed him, his body was found laying outside of the coffin, and he had very bloodied hands. For many years, Duns Scotus's tomb had a plaque with a Latin inscription on it that read, quote, Mark this man's demise, O traveler, for here lies John Scott. Once interred but twice dead, we are now wiser and still alive, who then so erred. The grammarian and metaphysician, Johannes Duns Scotus died in Cologne in 1308. When the vault his corpse resided in was opened later, he was found lying outside the coffin, end quote. Now, this story is considered a myth, but nevertheless, I find it quite fascinating. So what about those stories that can be backed up by locals and historical records? We will talk about those in just a little bit. First, let's talk about the legality of death. So today, legal death is the recognition under the law of a particular jurisdiction that a person is no longer alive. This is usually declared by a doctor, but it can also be declared by a court and the identification of a corpse. There are two categories of legal death, such as irreversible cessation of heartbeat or heart failure, and irreversible cessation of functions of the brain, or brain death. In the United States, we also have the Uniform Determination of Death Act, but there are states that don't recognize irreversible damage to the brain or brain death as being part of legal death. Among these states are Arizona, Illinois, Iowa, Louisiana, North Carolina, and shout out, Texas. 
So I thought that was pretty interesting. But in some cases, even today, a person can be declared dead without any remains or a doctor's declaration. People who follow true crime should know this. When someone is known to be in mortal peril, like when people are kidnapped or go missing for years, or if they've been missing for so long and there's no evidence that they're alive, they can be legally declared dead. For example, the people who went missing from the Malaysian air flight, they were declared dead and they were never found. Additionally, what is done to a body after death and what is believed to happen to the spirit, of course, varies from culture to culture. For example, in Jewish culture, autopsy and embalming are actually forbidden under ordinary circumstances and open caskets are not permitted. Funerals are also held as soon as possible after death. In many Native American tribes, preparing the body of the deceased person for burial is often handled by their family. And in Muslim faith, embalming and cremation are not permitted, and autopsy is only done for legal or medical reasons. Burial also takes place as soon as possible. So keep all of this in mind as we get into some different stories. In addition to this, the way that we see death now and the way that doctors are able to determine death, you know, the advancements in modern medicine, they're very different today. They do vary from culture to culture, but they've advanced a lot compared to earlier years. So there are a lot of cases of people being buried alive in the 18th and 19th centuries. There were also a lot of widespread bacterial infections during this time period and cholera outbreaks. You can find reports from doctors during this time period of people coming back from the dead. So let's get into some well-known cases of people who were believed to be buried alive. In the year 1674, in Bassenstoke, England, there lived a woman named Alice Blunden. She was known to enjoy her fair share of whiskey, which can't blame a girl, it's rough out there. But one night, she had a little bit too much to drink. She had a high amount of poppy water, which if you've seen The Wizard of Oz, when Dorothy passes out in the poppy field, that was basically Miss Blunden here. So poppy water is a narcotic and she had so much and it sent her into basically a very deep sleep. The family was concerned as she wasn't showing any signs of life and wouldn't rouse, so they called for a doctor. And the doctor assessed her and declared her dead by, you ready for this? You might think I'm gonna say checking for a pulse. Spoiler alert, no. Um, the doctor put a mirror under Alice Blunden's nose to see if it would fog up. And it didn't. So that takes care of that. She's dead. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that happened. And <laughs> Alice's husband was away on business when all of this occurred. So he understandably wanted the funeral postponed until he got back. But the rest of Alice's family was like, uh, we can't just leave her out rotting. And also, we didn't have freezers and morgues during this time period. It's hot. So they wanted to get her in the ground as soon as possible. So that is exactly what they did. 
they buried her quickly and Alice was also a larger woman. They had to put her in a coffin in quite a haste and they didn't have a coffin that fit her properly. So to make matters worse, and for my claustrophobic listeners, I apologize, they shoved her into a very, very tiny coffin. They forced her limbs inside by forcing them down with poles and then they fastened the lid shut and buried her. So two days later, a couple of kids are in the cemetery, just tra la 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 lying and playing tag. And uh, they claimed to hear moans and cries coming from a freshly dug grave. Cool, great. <laughs> and they freaked out. They ran inside to tell their headmaster and the headmaster punished them for making up such insane stories. Which adults, if you're trying to make kids like you and you wanna blend in and be cool, this is not helping. <laughs> but eventually the headmaster would believe the kids because he would hear Alice's pleading cries for help himself. And then her body was exhumed. When poor Alice was exhumed, she was non-responsive and her entire body was covered in blood and bruises from her trying to get out of this coffin. People believe that when she was exhumed, she was so weak that she had passed out and was still alive. But the people that exhumed her didn't know this. Stop using mirrors under the nose to check if someone is alive, okay? <laughs> So they bundled Alice Blunden up and they put her back in the coffin, latched it shut, put her back in the ground. And um, the grave was uncovered again the following morning for some reason. I, I don't understand why, but they pulled it back up again. And this time, Alice's face and hands had been torn to shreds. So it's believed that she woke up for a second time underground buried alive. But it's also believed that when she was exhumed the second time, she was dead for sure, and they buried her in the ground one final time. Thank God. Some people believe that Alice's family actually could have known that Alice was still alive when she was buried. So there was a trial that was conducted, but it was the testimony of the doctor that would ultimately save Alice's family from being put to death. The town, however, did have to pay a hefty fine for the cruelty to poor Alice. In 1822, there was a 40-year-old German shoemaker who was buried after his family confirmed his passing. But when the gravedigger was finishing up the burial, he heard a little knocking noise coming from inside the coffin. <laughs> Hell no. So the gravedigger freaks out. He removes the dirt as quickly as he can, lifts up the coffin, and finds the shoemaker moving around inside. A doctor came to assess him, and when the doctor got there, he found that the body of the shoemaker was warm, his arms had drawn upward, and the physician then opened one of the shoemaker's veins, gag, and blood flowed out. I, I still, like, I am baffled that this is how we checked for signs of life back then. 
Uh, for the next three days, they actually attempted to revive the shoemaker, but all attempts were unsuccessful, which is pretty sad. So this man was then buried again for the final time. Another story, and this one is so heartbreaking, comes from 1891. There was a 20-year-old woman named Octavia Smith in Pikeville, Kentucky, and she was married. She had recently given birth to a son named Jacob, but as was quite common in this time period, there were some complications during birth, and Jacob did not survive. He quickly died after he was born. This sent Octavia into an incredibly deep depression. She was absolutely devastated, and the depression became so severe that she eventually became bedridden and went into a coma-like state. She was declared dead about four months after her son's death on May 2nd, 1891. She was then quickly buried, but then other people in the town started to have similar symptoms to Octavia. They were suddenly dropping into very deep sleeps for no reason at all. And then a few days later, they would wake up. So it turns out that this was because a lot of people in the town were being bit by tsetse flies. So Octavia's husband, James, gets word of this and he freaks out. He's like, oh my God, did I just bury the love of my life alive? What if she was bitten by a tsetse fly and she wasn't dead? So he freaks out. He has the body exhumed as quickly as he can, but by then it would be too late. When they exhumed Octavia's body, the lining of the coffin had been torn to shreds. Octavia's fingernails were bloody and raw, and her face was contorted in a terrified shriek. Octavia was then reburied, and her poor husband James is absolutely traumatized. It's said that he never remarried, and that when he died about 50 years later, he was buried at Octavia's feet. There's also a story that when he died, he had someone tie a string around his finger and run this up above the ground with a bell at the end of it so that if he was buried alive, he could notify someone above. They would hear the bell, dig him up, and help him. Remember this for later. Octavia's grave is said to be very haunted, too, which I think is pretty fascinating. Some people say each year on the anniversary of Octavia's death that the statue that was built to commemorate her there spins around, facing away from the city, as if she's turning her back on the city that buried her alive. So many people were reporting seeing this statue spinning around that they actually built a tall fence around her grave, so they hoped that would stop the statue from spinning. And if you dare, you can actually go visit Octavia Smith's grave. You can go find it on Cemetery Road in Pikeville, Kentucky. So there's another story in July of 1894. Eleanor Markham of Sprakers, New York was pronounced dead from heart complications. And she was only 22 years old. Two days after her supposed death, there was a burial planned. So they had this viewing ceremony and then they loaded her casket into a hearse and the pallbearers, you know, got in the hearse as well and they start driving. 
But when the casket was placed in the hearse and the driver started to head to the cemetery, the pallbearers began to hear some uh, strange noises coming from inside the coffin. Like, help, help me, hello, and little knocking noises. So um, the pallbearers are pretty terrified. They get the hearse to stop and they stop all the funeral proceedings and they open the casket. And inside, they found Eleanor alive and well. Her face was pale and her eyes were stained with tears. And she shouts to them, you're burying me alive. <laughs> like, can you imagine? So when Eleanor recovers from all of this, it's said that she told them she felt like she was paralyzed. So she was like taking all of her strength to move. And she said she used like the last bit of her strength to get help and knock on the coffin. It's like the worst case of sleep paralysis you've ever heard. In 1915, there was a 30 year old woman, which I feel like this is all happening to like young women. She's crazy. This woman was named Essie Dunbar and she was from South Carolina. She had a really bad seizure and she was assumed dead. She was quickly buried and placed in a coffin, scheduled for burial the next day. Her sister, who lived out of town, wanted to be present for the burial, so she asked that they wait for her before they would bury the body. But it ended up taking Essie Dunbar's sister longer than expected to get there. They started the burial without her, and when the sister arrived, they were putting the last bit of dirt on top of Essie Dunbar's grave. But this did not sit right with Essie's sister. She wanted closure and she wanted to see Essie one last time. So it's said she asked the body to be exhumed. So they listened to her, they opened the casket, and when they did, Dunbar sat up from the coffin, looked around, smiled and climbed on out like a freaking horror movie. Essie Dunbar then went on to live for another 47 years. One of the most remarkable premature burials of the 20th century is the case of 19-year-old Angelo Hayes. So if you ever Google being buried alive, you will probably run across this story. In 1937, Angelo had a really bad motorcycle accident. He was riding his motorcycle and slammed headfirst into a brick wall, having severe head trauma. He was completely disfigured. And when the medical professionals assessed him, he had no pulse. So he was declared dead. Three days later, he was buried. But because of a local insurance investigation, after the funeral, they actually exhumed his body two days later. So keep in mind, five days has gone past at this point. The Forensic Institute would then examine Angelo's body, and when they did, he was still warm. He had been in a deep coma-like state, and it's believed he only stayed alive because he had a diminished need for oxygen. So fun fact, if you are ever buried alive, one of the biggest pieces of advice that you'll see online is to try to keep your breathing as calm as possible, which, um, sorry, no, <laughs> not happening. But that's what they say to do. They say to stay as calm as possible, breathe as slowly as you can and conserve your oxygen. So 
a lot of people believe this is the only way that Angelo survived. So yes, he did. He survived. He actually ended up needing some surgeries after all of this, but he went through rehabilitation and he went on to live a pretty full life. He was from France, so he also became like a big celebrity in France. And in the 1970s, he even went on tour showing around his safety coffin that he had invented, which included thick upholstery, I guess for comfort. There was even a food locker inside, a toilet, and a library. So now we are going to transition into kind of part two of this story, the history of the safety coffin. In the 18th century, taphophobia, or the fear of being buried alive, spread all throughout the United States and Europe because of these insane stories like the ones I just told you. Even George Washington was quoted saying, have me decently buried, but do not let my body be put into a vault in less than two days after I am dead. So with taphophobia being on the rise, the safety coffin was born. And a safety coffin, generally speaking, because there's a lot of different patents, is a mechanism used to prevent premature burial or to allow the occupant to alert people above ground for help. The first safety coffin is said to have been made in 1791 in Manchester by a man named Robert Robinson. When he died, he was later buried in a mausoleum and there was a door on the outside of his coffin that could be like opened. And when you would open this outer door, there was a pane of glass so you could peer inside. So Robert Robinson asked his family to check on him periodically by peering through the glass, which sounds traumatizing and horrifying and disgusting. Like, why would you want to see a rotting corpse at all? especially your loved one. So in 1792, Duke Nan of Brunswick's coffin also had several safety features added to it, including a window, a breathing tube, and a lock on the coffin with the keys placed in his pocket. So by the time we're in the second half of the 19th century, these safety coffins are becoming more and more popular. In Germany specifically, there were 30 different patents that came out with these different coffins. You can even find versions of safety coffins on the market today, which if I find some uh, on the internet, I'll be sure to put the pictures on Instagram and put them in the YouTube video. Uh, some ways that you could signal for help in these safety coffins included ropes that would ring a bell, which sounds exactly like Octavia Smith's husband, James. When he died, he had a bell attached to a rope from his coffin. Sometimes the ropes would even be attached to a church bell so that this loud ass church bell would ring and I guess the whole town would hear you and you could get help. There were even ones with ropes and I guess pulley systems. So when you'd pull it, these like little flags would come up and wave. I, I feel like this had to have been like a white flag just for symbolism. And perhaps the craziest of all, you could even have pyrotechnics involved in your safety coffin to alert someone. So it could be like a really loud firecracker. It could be a firework show, a rocket. I, I don't fucking know, but <laughs> it was just, um, it was crazy. Just all these different things that people would come up with. 
Also, I feel like if I was just taking like a casual stroll through a cemetery and all of a sudden I see like a firecracker shoot off or a rocket, I would just think it's like some kids just playing around. You know, I wouldn't think like, oh, better go check on that grave. <laughs> With some of these designs that had the rope pulley-like systems, they would attach the ropes to the occupant's head, hands, and or feet. When the bell was rung, the cemetery watchmen with some of these patents could also insert a tube into the coffin and pump air into it so that this person would have oxygen until they could be dug up. There were even some safety coffins that had supplies inside of the coffin, such as shovels, ladders, and food and water. <laughs> you could even have a tube placed into your safety coffin that could be used for breathing, but also to deliver food or drink to the occupant. But a lot of these patents did not include a breathing tube, which would kind of make the entire invention of a safety coffin pointless because you're gonna suffocate if you don't have adequate oxygen. <laughs> Over time too, some of these patents had these trumpet-like tubes, that's how they were described online, and they would use these tubes to, um, pause, sorry, this is disgusting, just warning you really quickly. Uh, <laughs> they would use these tubes and they would have these priests come and smell the outside of the trumpet tube to see if it smelled like decomposing flesh to basically make sure that it was actually a dead person in there. I guess if they smelled like pee and sweat, then they would know to dig up the body. I don't know. <laughs> Dr. Adolf Gutsmuth was buried alive several times in the 1800s intentionally because he wanted to demonstrate his safety coffin patent. And in 1822, he stayed in this coffin for several hours. During this time, he enjoyed a meal through the coffin's feeding tube. His meal consisted of soup, beer, and sausages. <laughs> and I really want to know how the hell this man ate soup lying flat in a coffin out of a tube. It just sounds disgusting. <laughs> okay, but safety coffins. Like, this all sounds great in an ideal world, right? Someone gets buried alive, whoopsie-daisy, <laughs> they pull the rope, they wave a flag, shoot a rocket, whatever, and someone knows to help them, and then they get rescued. Here's the problem, though. As I mentioned earlier, a lot of these patents had pulley systems where the ropes were tied around the person's head, hands, or feet. When bodies decompose, they don't just, like, stay motionless. They bloat, they contort. What started happening is they would bury these bodies in safety coffins and the cemetery watchman, you know, is just walking around at night. Sorry, I can't really whistle very good. Um, and they start to hear all these bells going off and they're like, oh my God, we just buried like 20 people alive. And then they would exhume these people and their poor loved ones are like, oh my God, freaking out, thinking they're alive. And there would just be a dead body in there decomposing, which again, seeing a decomposing body of your loved one is also very traumatizing. So um, 
these are a good idea in theory, but they never really took off. In 1995, so much more recent, Fabrizio Casali invented a safety coffin that had an emergency alarm, a two-way microphone, a torch, I don't know, <laughs> an oxygen tank, heartbeat sensor, and a heart stimulator. And like I said, you can still find versions of this on the market today. So several of these designs that I described were later built and sold, but there has never been any indication that a safety coffin has ever rescued someone from being buried alive, unfortunately. Now medicine today has significantly improved as we know, so the chances of being buried alive are much more slim, but it is still possible, okay? Exhibit A. On August 16th, 2023, so very, very recently, The Mirror released an article about a woman in Brazil who was 37 years old. Her name was Rosangela Almeida dos Santos, and this happened in January of 2018. She had been hospitalized after suffering two cardiac arrests. She was hospitalized for about a week and she got a death certificate with the cause of death being septic shock. This woman was known to have suffered uh, fainting spells since she was young and she took medication for this. Her family held a wake and they buried her in a concrete tomb in her hometown. It's believed this woman was buried alive and laid in her coffin for 11 days, trying to fight her way out. She was exhumed after locals kept hearing screams and banging sounds coming from inside of her tomb. When her body was later exhumed, she was still warm and her body was laying in a different position than when she had first been placed in the coffin. Blood was found inside of the coffin as well and she had sustained injuries to her wrists, hands, and forehead. She also had cotton wool in her ears and nostrils that had come out of place. I don't know what this is for, so if anyone who's educated, mortician, what have you, let me know. The nails around the sides of the coffin lid had also been pushed upward, and there were scratches all over the inside of the coffin. Just absolutely terrifying. So this poor woman was taken to the hospital, but she was declared dead later on and she was buried again the next day. And this is not the only recent story like this. I found several more stories like this from Ecuador, Mumbai, and Greece. So if you wanna read more, you can Google those. Common practices today, such as embalming, have also made the possibility of being buried alive virtually obsolete. But like I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, depending on cultural background, um, availability for embalming, and just different belief systems, and honestly, just plain luck. It's still possible to be buried alive. And while these safety coffins have never been proven to save anyone, who knows, maybe they should update them and do more testing, and maybe they could actually save somebody. I don't know, anything is possible, but whatever the case, This story is certainly perplexing. And those are some insane stories of people being buried alive and the history of the safety coffin. So 
what do you guys think about the safety coffin? And what is your worst fear? Let me know. You can always leave a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening on, like Apple or Spotify. You can also take those polls to let me know your thoughts about the episode or reply to the Q&As that I always leave asking what you thought. And if you have a story or a topic request, you can always reach out to me. Feel free to email me or DM me on Instagram. I would love to hear from you guys. Let me know what you want me to cover next. Thank you so much for listening. You all are amazing. I hope you have a great week and I will talk to you next week. Bye. Thank you for listening to Perplexity, a mystery podcast hosted, written, and produced by Kadra Brennan. If you enjoyed today's episode, tell the world about it by going to Apple Podcasts or Spotify and leaving a five-star review. It helps the show more than you know. Contact, support, and merch links can be found in the episode description. And if you have a story to share or a topic request, send an email to perplexitymysterypodcast at gmail.com. Cager would love to read your story on the podcast. Until next week, stay curious.